This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 394. I don't tell her what decision to make. She gets to make those on her own. And, and when she makes a decision, it, it, that's the decision. There are certain things we come together. And when I make decisions, she doesn't question me. So we have those lanes. And it really takes a lot of the friction out of the partnership because we just trust each other to know that they're making the right decision in the best interest of our family. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, of course, here with my co-host, Mr. David Green. David, welcome to the show again, man. How you been? I've been fantastic. Probably not Maui fantastic, but Northern California fantastic is pretty close. Mm, Northern Northern California fantastic is pretty good. Uh, what have you been up to? I mean, uh, I know you're writing a book, a couple books, right? Yeah, like three books. Writing maybe? a series know. for Bigger Pockets on how to be a top producing agent. I That's just cool. put. I think I have now 29 houses in contract over the, after the weekend. So <laughs> it's going really, really good. If someone wants to buy or sell a house, this is a strong market right now wow. in California. And other than that, just like, you know, constantly educating people, talking about real estate, hanging out with you. And today's show is, I think, a very easy listen as we talk to a couple mm-hmm. who's had to learn how to navigate the waters of real estate investing and building a business and having completely different skill sets while making it all work. And I was just entertained the entire time. Yeah, I feel like this one of those shows that just like, like a fine wine, like the longer it went, the better it got and the deeper it got. Yeah. Like, we you know, the whole thing was good, but like, it, but I mean, like, towards the end of the show, we talk about a couple of things I want to just point out right now to listen to. Listen to where Elliot talks about like how he actually does the math at the table with the sellers. I thought that was just a phenomenal tip for being able to like negotiate. If you're somebody who's nervous about negotiation or making lowball offers, you're going to love that. How he actually cuts in his contractors on the profits from a recent flip. And then probably my favorite thing, of the, well, I don't know, there's a lot of favorites in here, but one of my favorite things about today's episode was when he goes in, Elliot like just dives into like, if you're a new investor looking for a deal, do this, do this, do this, do that. It gives you a very simple plan to follow that's pretty much guaranteed to get you a deal. And like, he's very, very practical with it. So it's really good. We talk a lot about Chrissy talks a lot about like kind of the organization of how she gets the business, like manages the cash flow, manages the budget, making sure they have the money to do it. And just between the two of them, just like how to work together as a relationship, as a married couple, uh, whether or not you are married or not, but you are either going to be at some point married or have a significant other or have a business partner or have employees. So if any of those four things apply to you, this show is going to change your life. And I want to get to it right away. So let's get to today's Quick tip. Today's quick tip. Did you know you can listen to shows on different podcast apps at double the speed or one and a half speed? So what I like to do is I listen to a podcast, I'll double the speed and then take it down to like one and a half. So I'll listen for like a minute at double and then go down to a minute and a half and then a minute and a half feels normal. It like resets my normal. So uh, just FYI, you can cram in more podcasts in less time by doing that. And we will not totally sound like chipmunks, but we will sound like we talk exceptionally fast. So that's today's quick tip. That was a very good quick tip. I wanted it to be a quick, quick tip. I think we should quickly get to today's guest. We should. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. 
That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. And now, Mr. David Green, I think we're ready to get to this show. You agree? Yep. Buckle your seatbelts. Hang on, folks. This is going to be a very fun and entertaining show. All right. Let's bring in Elliot and Chrissy Smith. All right, Elliot and Chrissy, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. It is awesome to have you guys here today. Elliot, happy to have you back. Chrissy, glad to uh, have you here for the first time. Thank you. Happy to be here. Elliot, you're not happy to be here? I'm happy to be here. I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, told, we told Elliot before the show, I said, Elliot's going to talk, t- dominate the conversation because, you know, me and Elliot have a, have a bromance that uh, rivals David and I's. So we're going to attempt to not overwhelm Chrissy today. Does that sound good? Exactly. That's my plan. Let Chrissy talk. She's an important one in this relationship anyway. <laughs> there we go. All right. So Elliot, you were on episode, ooh, a long time ago. What was it? Episode 255? Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> feels like we were just babies then and that honestly is one of my like i know i say this a lot but like looking back in the last 400 shows i would put that in the top 10 of my all-time favorite shows maybe even top five yeah because i really really liked your story and so people should go back and listen to it episode 255 and we learn all about your your story and basically in a nutshell can you give us a synopsis or a, overall what did you talk about last time kind of like what was your background and then i'm gonna move to christy and have her talk about hers yeah. So uh, last time we talked about just kind of how we got started in the real estate business. We were working, I was working a job at 70 hours a week for uh, a bakery in sales. And then part-time on the side, we were doing real estate. But then I just, I talked a lot how we got there, our systems, our processes, but then really how, you know, I've struggled with some depression, bipolar issues, addiction. I was in rehab at 20 or 21, a week after I turned 21. 
and I had just started dating Chrissy right before I went to rehab. And funny story, we were dating, talking for about a month and a half. And then I call her and I say, Hey, I'm going to rehab. And she's like, Oh, it all makes sense now. Why you were like, <laughs> talking to me and then you would go away for like four days <laughs> mm-hmm. and say you lost your phone <laughs> so <laughs> but it, we dove into that and yeah it was i thought it was a good show yeah it was awesome all right so chrissy obviously people can go back and listen to that but chrissy what about you where did you get where did you get started from and what was your background how did you get into uh this whole world of real estate but Yeah. So I started out really young. I bought my first house at 20 and I've always been a very, very frugal person. And it's probably growing up poor. I grew up far under the the poverty line. And it's one of those things that I've always wanted some sort of security. And I gravitated towards real estate because it made sense to me. I understood it. And so it's one of those things that I happened to be in a very good situation when the first time home buyer credit became available. So I had a down payment ready. I was scared to death. I remember not being able to sleep. Like I would go out house shopping. I hadn't even made an offer yet. And I would stay up all night long thinking about what if this happened? What if that happened? Mm. But because I was frugal, I decided that I was going to buy a house and I was going to house hack. And I was looking at the numbers and I was paying rent at the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally going to be able to buy a house and pay less every single month with house hacking versus sitting here in this tiny apartment. So that's kind of where I got started. And then after Ellie and I started dating, we started talking about real estate and the things that we wanted to do. And we both had kind of the same mindset and goals. I, I was a, I was basically adopted when I was in high school and part of that family, uh, invest in real estate. So when I bought my first house, you know, somebody just mentioned, Hey, you know, this, this might be a great rental someday. And just that thought in my head might my mind kind of went crazy with the possibilities. And so we ended up moving down to Vancouver because of Elliot's work. And at that time we had to decide, are we going to sell this house? Are we going to rent it? I was scared to death to take on a rental and buy a new house. And like, you know, what if, what if something were to happen? What if we had a crazy tenant and it's going to cost $20,000 to clean up the property later? But having good mentors guide me and guide us in a way, we, we decided to take the leap, went ahead and rented out the property. And we, we did you know tenant screen and tried to do everything correctly. And I, I just remember it's so funny thinking back on it. We were cash flowing like maybe $250 a month. And we were so excited about it. It's that like the best thing, right? It's like... <laughs> It's the best. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so funny. And then we're like, oh my gosh, how do we do this again? Like, how do we Mm -hmm. repeat this? And from there, we just both got on board with just being really frugal. We didn't even know anything about Burr or like any of these strategies for getting properties at a discounted price yet. And so we were just going to do it like the hard way of just working hard and saving up our money and saving up down payments. And we were going to move from house to house to house to house and just rent out each one. And then Elliot found bigger pockets probably a year after we rented out our first house. And he's like, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. I think we should send out letters to people to try to find rentals and try to save some money on at least the the realtor costs, all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's give it a shot. And we would come home from work and sit down and just hand write out, hand address envelopes. Mm -hmm. And we 
I feel like we got kind of lucky in the sense that, because we personally wanted to buy duplexes. So we chose to mail out to duplexes, which at the time, I feel like everybody was really bypassing. They were looking for just absentee and they, they weren't looking at like multifamily kind of stuff. And so we actually got a really good response rate and a lot of tire kickers. And we were just kind of getting used to working with people that they're ready to list it on the market and running our numbers and having that uncomfortable conversation of this is what we could actually pay for it. So that was a big mind mindset shift. And then, you know, one day I remember Elliot was answering the phone calls. He's, he's definitely the salesman, but he was napping and we got a call from a lady that she was actually a realtor and she owned a duplex that she was just tired of having. And she said, Hey, I, I, I can't remember that. It's, I think it was like 170. No, 120, 120, 120, 120. Gosh, man, I can't even imagine. Kept it. 120. <laughs> oh, Every duplex yeah. we ever wholesale, I'm like, nah, we should have kept it. <laughs> oh, no, I know. And so we, we were working with another guy that was kind of helping us out in the process because they're like, okay, how do we do this? How do we get it under contract? And so we show up and walk around and take a look at the property and it was already such a good deal. And he's like, well, you got to try to negotiate a little bit. You can't just say, oh, this is great and snag it up because she's going to be freaked out. So Elliot, he's like, hey, you know, we could do 115 for the property. And she, she kind of just sat there and thought about it for only a few seconds, really. And she's like, okay, I could do that. And then our partner that we were working with, he's like, oh, we could do this. We could you know, just advanced strategies where he's like, we could buy it, we can refi it, we could take this cash and we could spend it to this other thing. And it, it freaked us out. And we're like, Mm -hmm. no, we're not ready for this kind of stuff yet. And so uh, we ended up basically wholesaling it to him. So getting a, a small fee. And I remember afterwards we sat down and had like a, you know, celebration, a little lunch and we were just high on life. Just, mm-hmm. I, I think it was a $5,000. Yeah, easiest five life. grand we ever made. We're like, how do we do this again? This is great. So that's where I want to jump in and ask you guys, because there's a lot of people listening that say, eh, $5,000, I wouldn't say no to it, but I wouldn't necessarily get addicted to this whole thing about real estate. But that $5,000 meant so much to you guys that you went and built an entire business and then built your life around that business. And now you're here on the podcast. Do you have any insight you can share as to why that $5,000 meant so much to you too, that you could see the value in redirecting and pivoting like your whole life to around getting more of it. Yeah, I think um, it meant freedom because I was working, you know, Chris, we had moved to Vancouver and as Brandon knows, the West side of Washington States is not fun. It rains all <laughs> it the sucks. time. Yeah. Christy was depressed. She wasn't having fun. You know, she wasn't liking it there. She had a job that she really loved back in Trace cities. And so then all of a sudden it's like five grand. It meant almost meant freedom. And we're like, okay. So, and we had spent like $250 on letters and stuff at the time. And so we're like, well, let's do this. See if we can do this again. Maybe we just got lucky. And then the next month we made like 8,800 bucks on a, on a wholesale, on a duplex. And we're like, this actually works. (laughs) And so, um, and so it, it meant freedom. So we just kept going and we didn't take any of the money that we made. We put it all back into the business. Cause I was making at the time, like, $85,000 $85,000 a year. I had Oregon taxes, but, um, we were comfortable. We had a house, we could, we could manage everything. And we had 
paid for cars and, and all that stuff. So we're like, let's see, let's just see if we can save up enough money so maybe we can do this full time um, at some point. And it just meant freedom. How about you, Chrissy? What did it mean to you? It, it, it did mean freedom. I'm, a, I'm an efficiency person for sure. And I saw how much time it took to make that five grand versus mm-hmm. how much we had to work. You know, you have to, you had to work a full month basically to yeah. make the same amount of money. Like, okay, even if we just did this on the side and it helped us build up money, because we still have the mindset that we were going to build up for down payments. It's like, even if we can use this to build up for down payments so we can buy rentals, that's going to accelerate our growth so much more than just working our jobs and saving up whatever we can. I, yeah. I agree that I look at life too, like from what's efficient a lot of the time. And then the other thing that a lot of people on the outside looking in don't think about is that the way you make money can either be fun or it can suck. And you actually should factor that into also what, where you spend your time. Cause like Brandon and I talk about, we have fun doing this podcast. We have fun putting deals together where we get Mm -hmm. to help other people. Like I'm selling a lot of houses for other clients because helping other people build their wealth feels so good that I'd rather do that than just get more houses for myself. And when if you've never experienced that, that making money can be fun and enjoyable, or at least suck less than what you're doing right now, it's hard to relate. But man, like there's certain things that you can do for three hours that feel like 10 and other things you can do for 10 hours that feel like three. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I was thinking you you mentioned, uh, you know, I know, I know a little bit of your story, like your background, you had a rough teenage years, you know, and obviously like you emerged from a, a background that was a little more rough and you can, you know, spend as much or as little as you want of that. And Elliot, I know you already mentioned, like you struggle with a lot of stuff as well early on. And now David, you went through some stuff when you were younger. I know I went through some stuff when I was younger. Like, it's just interesting how like though, I, I guess where, where my head goes is like a lot of times with kids, especially like that, you know, we have kids. Uh, I know you guys have uh, a, a kid, right? So like, we want to like remove all these obstacles and bad things away from them, which obviously it's our job as parents to do. But it's yeah. funny, like how much of our success today is built on and because of the crap we went through in younger ages. Like how much of my success today is probably made because I got made fun of for being the fat kid in, in middle school. Like almost all, everything I have today is probably because of that. You know, like it, it's just interesting. And, and uh, I'm curious if you guys noticed that, if you noticed any additional drive because of your backgrounds uh, that led you where, where you are today. Yes, absolutely. I would. So, um, just to dive into a little bit, you know, my parents, they, they struggle with alcoholism They're I would, I would call them working alcoholics. So they're, it's almost worse in the sense that they're able to kind of keep their lives together, but continue to drink. So it's one of those things that, um, they, they did, I did have a roof over my head. You know, I, um, had it better than some people out there, but the same sense, you know, it was one of those things that any extra money basically went to liquor. And so it was one of those things growing up. I've, I've heard you, Brandon, talk about how like a luxury in life is not really having to look at the thermostat, right? Mm-hmm. Not having yeah. to. Yeah. Yep. And so it's, it's one of those things that I grew up with you know, using the one ply toilet paper and like, just, you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And my parents not ever having any extra money and you just doing like every single thing to scrimp and save. And there was never really any security. And so it was one of those things that I started working really young because I wanted to have my own money. I wanted to be able to do my own thing. So I, I started picking raspberries and, you know, selling raspberries and then 
I had a couple paper routes. And it's just one of those things that I do feel like growing up a little bit disadvantaged, it did give me that motivation to get out and hustle and to make something of myself. Cause I, I knew I couldn't sit back and, you know, my parents are going to send me off to some summer camp or something. Or So I think it gave me, I, I do believe it gave me a work ethic. And I think it gave me kind of a mindset where even now I still stop and I, I look at the budget and I look at how we're spending our finances. And I, I always try to make sure that we're moving in a good direction. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things that having a kid now, it is so hard because I'm like, man, how am I going to make sure that he cares about these things uh-huh, and know, that we don't, don't spoil the crap out of him yep. where he's just like out like, oh, he doesn't know the value of a dollar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's- Great story about Chrissy. Is so when we were, I'm sure she loved every time you say that. Yeah, <laughs> Great no. story about so Chrissy. When we, when, this is this embodies Chrissy and her budgeting and how she is with money. So when we were dating, she was making way less money, but owned a house, and I was living in Vancouver, and I was renting a room from a lady for like 400 bucks a month. I had a truck payment I, from when I was before, and I was making like 45, taking home like 4,500 bucks a month. And at the end of the month, I had nothing to show for it. It was just mm, gone. Yeah. She's like, "Where's all your money going?" And then I'm like, uh, "I don't know." So as soon as we got engaged, I called her and said, Hey, how about you put me on a budget and you take over my money? So she gave me $150 a week for food and fun and took all my money, gave me my rent money. So I could pay that. She had my truck that I owed like 12,000 or $13,000 paid off in three and a half months. And I'm like, yep, she's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and so even to this day, um, I still have a budget. I still get a budget every month on what I can spend on dumb Elliot stuff because I like to spend money on just stupid <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and so like literally her growing up disadvantaged and, and, and being so frugal and, and doing that has really helped not only her, but it's helped me as well and helped our life in so many ways uh, that we would definitely not be here if it wasn't for her. And I remember my dad saying when we were dating, he says, you better marry that girl because she'll make you a millionaire before you're 30. And sure enough, she did. She made us both. And so it's just, yeah, she's, she's fantastic in that. That's cool. There's so many cool things to your guys' dynamic that I'm noticing where I would say both of you individually, if if you just looked at your own lives, you'd say, this is going to be an uphill battle for me with some of the things that you're, that, that we all as, as kids from what we went through made it tough. But then when you found the right person, not only did you balance each other out, but you also brought out each other's strength. So my understanding, Elliot, is that you're the guy who goes and you're like the driver. You you make things happen. You push things forward. You get deals in contract. You get letters out there. You create this big like mess, for lack of a better phrase, with opportunity in it. And then Chrissy comes and organizes that mess. She takes all the little pieces that you put in contract, puts them in their right box, and helps keep everything moving. And neither of you, theoretically, would be able to do this nearly as well without the other person. That's very similar to what I found. I play more of an Elliot role in my business, and I have people that then come along behind me, and they smooth out the mess, and they love me because they don't want to get in the front and go into like what looks to them like the scary situation of having to make people mad and confront people and, and face rejection and all the, the stuff that comes from driving things forward that personalized don't like. And guys like me and Elliot, we're like, oh, I just want to get out there and do it. I don't want to look behind me and see what I just did. I never know how much money I'm making. I don't look at my own books. I don't I, like we wouldn't even pay our taxes if someone wasn't telling us we have to go pay these taxes. <laughs> right? Like, and when you get the right fit with the right person, 
not only are the things that used to hold you back not holding you back, but it allows you to go do the things like that you're good at are a benefit to them, that they need somebody like you. And Brandon and I talk about this all the time because we're very interested in how to help people get into real estate investing that have things that stop them. There's always a person that says, I want to do it, but I can't because of this reason. I can't do this or I can't do that. But you two are a wonderful example of how to be massively successful with flaws and how to actually take those flaws and turn them into something that's a positive. They're no longer flaws anymore. Chrissy, you were mentioning how you didn't really have much stability and you were drawn to real estate because it could provide stability, right? That rent's going to be coming in and you don't have to work 40 hours a week to get it. That made you want to go do this. And Elliot, you're in a position where like you mentioned that you really, you're like up and down for lack of a better phrase. You have moments where you want to get in there and get stuff done. And then you have other times you're like that drive's gone, but Chrissy can cover for you when the drive's gone. And when the drive's up, there's plenty of area for you to go play in. Now that becomes a strength for you. Like this is a beautiful picture of how partnerships should work. Yeah, that's, I would say that's absolutely right. I mean, I think um, part of it is just knowing your strengths and weaknesses and being humble enough to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm not good at this. I need somebody else to help me with this and handing it over. Like I, I think back on how much maturity and how much trust Elliot gave me in the sense that he's like, Hey, this is where I struggle. I see that you're good at this and just handed it over. But it wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, when we first started this business, at first it was like, this is awesome. We're great. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I hate my job. Let's go faster. So Christy quit her job. And then, so she was working on the business at home and I'm working 70 hours a week. So I'm like, you need to do this, this, this. And I'm all of a sudden, you know, I'm a manager at work. So I'm like trying to manage her. And so at oh, some that, point- that always worked well. Yeah, it would work terrible. And so we would butt heads because then we, we didn't realize that each other's strength was, it was the same as our weakness. Our weakness. And so like literally after the first year, like we were doing so well, but like we basically almost got divorced. Like we were super close to getting divorced, like divorce papers were out. And it's just like, because we didn't realize what we had in each other. Like we, we would so, so be so worried about attacking the other person for what they're not doing instead of focusing on how we could work better together. And it took a long time for us to actually get there. After we moved back to Tri-Cities, we said, okay, we're going to try to work this out. And Today, I mean, we are uh, just a true story of victory, I think. And it, it's a struggle every day, but it's in certain ways. I mean, you still got to work at it every day. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't do life without Chrissy. Like I, like David said, I, couldn't, I wouldn't know how to pay my taxes. Like literally, I have one account that I have to manage. It's my fun money account. And I get like so many hundred dollars every month. Literally every month, that account is overdrawn. Chrissy's like, you have to put your, take that overdrawn protection off. Like literally one account. And there's like maybe $800 that goes in there a month or something. Yep. And I literally overdraw it every That's month. Funny. That's funny. Well, uh, what I love about that principle, I talk about this in I, one of the books I wrote. I think it's How to Invest in Real Estate. Where You guys ever see that Fantastic Beast movie? Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's like yeah. one of the Harry Potter oh, knockoff yeah. uh-huh. spinoffs, right? Okay, so in there, there's this creature. I can't remember if it's called the Akami or Kami or something like that, but we'll just call it Akami because I don't know how to pronounce Harry Potter words. So this creature would expand to whatever size you get it, you know, whatever size you put it in. So if you put it in a teacup, it shrinks to the size of a teacup. You put it into a bus, it makes the size of a bus, right? It just it expands whatever. So I like to say like our finances are the same way. So I love the fact that you do that. You give yourself a budget of like, hey, this whatever, 800 bucks. This is what I have for the month. Like that's, even though you might go a little over it, if if that had two grand in it, you'd probably spend two grand. If it had 10 grand in it, you'd spend 10 grand because I'm the same way. Yeah. So rather than relying on willpower to try to, to, to live within a budget, 
you instead just confine that to a certain size container and then you will only like naturally spend about what's in the container maybe a little bit more because of the pain of having to deal with you know overdrafting and all that annoying stuff which i I think that's a fantastic tip just for anybody trying to save more money in life is uh use that power of the alchemy yeah it's hard though i mean even like you said i still go over and christy luckily when we first got married she was like you know super strict like you're over by three (laughs) dollars but you know she's loosened up more a lot and i think we've rubbed off on each other quite a bit like i've i've started spending less and she started spending a little bit more but we've balanced each other out really well to just like have a really good balance in life of like like we were going to buy a new car and then we had it on order and then it we're like, yeah, maybe we don't need this right now, especially with Corona and everything going on. And so like, we've kind of balanced each other out really well in that sense now. Yeah, that's, that's neat. So let, let's walk through, I want to, I want to go first of all, get an idea of where are you guys at right now in your business, real estate business? How many, how many units do you have? Are you still wholesaling mostly? Are you flipping? Are you like, what are you doing in your business and what do you have? Yeah. So right now we haven't been wholesaling for a couple of years. We have a partner in one of our markets that we kind of, we find the deals and we work together on them and then 50-50 on that. And then in our other market that we actually live in, we do the flips there. So right now we're adding rentals. We've, we've added a single family, two duplexes, and we just bought a 24 unit like three weeks ago with some partners. Wow. Last year we bought a commercial building. So we have like 33 units roughly if you count, you know, the 24 unit, we're a quarter owner. So but uh, so we have that. And then we have a 17,000 square foot commercial building that we are going to be um, redoing the upstairs and putting uh, apartments in there. It's in a downtown area where we live. I, we bought some land to do some development. We were trying to transition our company into a, a development company this year, but then kind of Corona put a, made everybody scared. So right now we're just working what we got. We got another service business that we started that I'm kind of more working on. Christy's kind of let me have my passion project with that to see if I can make that work. But yeah, just adding, kind of add cash flow. At, you know, that's really our goal is to get out of the rat race by cash flow. That's cool. And what about like on those, on the deals that you have, you said you have the partner that you get deals and you, you, you flip, you're the flipping locally and was it wholesaling? The, yeah, so we don't partner? wholesale it to our partner. Uh, we basically are 50-50 partners. So we'll, we'll say, okay. pay for half, he pays for half. And then he puts them back. We find them, he puts them back together. And so it's kind of a good deal. And that's in uh, one of our markets. And then in, in uh, Tri-Cities, we actually just flip them ourselves. Okay. And Tri-Cities, by the way, for those that don't know, it's kind of like, I don't know, would you call it smack dab in the middle of Washington State nah, on the southeast eastern side? Washington. Southeast Washington. Is it southeast? Washington. Yeah. Okay, so it's sorry. like 30 minutes from Oregon border. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's not, when we're thinking Washington, it's not Seattle. We're not talking, it's like desert Washington, which yeah. is... Yeah. Very different than rainy Washington. Uh, and then uh, what kind of volume do you guys do on a typical year now? Like where are you at volume-wise the last few years? So we've been buying roughly 20 to 25 deals a year for like the last three years. This year, our numbers are down. We had we had seven tied up in quarter one. We ended up closing on six of them. But then Corona hit. We stopped marketing. We didn't want to be seen as opportunistic. Like people were... The, the calls were actually a lot more angry you know, in, in March and April. So we've kind of shut that down. And so I think our deal volume is going to be smaller, but we're also adding some rentals. Um, we've done some bigger deals. So it's kind of, it's kind of a decent mixture. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And then let's go through how, I mean, you're doing mailers, obviously you mentioned that. So, I mean, is that the only strategy you're doing to find deals today or what else do you guys do to find deals, Chrissy? So, um, yeah, we do mailers and then we're also doing cold calling and a little bit of text messaging. That's, we were um, messing around with SEO a little bit, but that's something that I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's, 
we haven't had really any success for it with it. And it's, you know, one of those 80, 20 rules that it's like, okay, well, that's not really working, but these things are working for us. So let's focus on those. So primarily cold calling and direct mail. Okay. That's cool. All right. And then finally, I I do want to go into uh, some more specifics and we'll get to a deal deep dive in a little bit, but I want to know a little bit more about, about working with a spouse. And so the first question I have, and I want to, I want to start with you, Chrissy, even though it sounds like Chrissy, you were on the real estate train before Elliot was, but who, cause you had a house, right? So who, but who, who first was like, I want to make this a living and had to convince the other person like that real estate investing was going to be your future. Which one, which one of you started and had to convince the other person? I don't think we had to convince each I don't, I really don't think we had to convince each other, which is, that's not so helpful because I've, I've actually had a ton of guys come up to me during conferences. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I get my wife on board? Yeah. I get that question constantly. Yes. Yeah. I would say to answer that question, I would say that showing how stable real estate can be. I feel like a lot of people think having a regular job is very stable, but in my opinion, I don't think it's any more stable than building a solid rental portfolio. Really? If you're, screening the tenants properly. If you make sure that you've got enough in your bank for cap X, if you're doing your due diligence, then I find it way more secure than holding down a job at a company where you don't really get to control your future. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is something that it's just a mindset shift and doing it in a way that it doesn't feel forceful and maybe putting on some bigger pocket podcasts in the background or something when you're driving around. It's a lot of it is just knowing that's possible, seeing other people doing it and doing it well for a long period of time. I think that that can really help people uh, change their mindset. But for Ellie and I, we, yeah, we were both kind of excited about the opportunity for real estate. Yeah. That's really good. Ellie, anything you want to add on that? Like yeah, convincing I think a spouse. The, the, di- the biggest difference that we had was since I'm the spender, I like fast money. So I like, look at these checks, look at how big these checks are, you know, spin. And Chrissy's like, look at this boring rental that we can do. And I'm like, no, we can make like 40 grand. She's like, no, but it cash flows $300 a month. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this makes no sense. And so like, that's our personality type, totally to a T. I think the biggest part was like, I'm push, 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 you know, I'm the machine gun out there shooting a million bullets and she's a sniper like no this is the one i'm taking this guy and that's probably why we actually have been such a good team is because we both like i'm the i you know I'm, go 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 and she's like yeah let's go but let's also protect our backside and buy rentals and buy long-term assets yeah it goes to show that different mindsets and different strategies can all be successful that it doesn't have to be a way of doing it that there's many ways of looking at this and honestly if you just buy real estate in a decent area and hold it for a long time, you all end up looking like a genius. You know, like you, you Brandon and I have talked about, you could buy a place that doesn't cash flow if you can afford it. And if you hold it for a long enough time, at some point it does cash flow. If you look at it from a 30 year perspective, if it doesn't cash flow the first five years and it does for the next 25, it won't even matter that it didn't cash flow right off the bat, you know, or it didn't have a ton of equity in it. Inflation makes real estate, makes everyone look really smart for owning real estate for a long time. And so I like that. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a machine gunner or a sniper, there's a way that you can make this work for everybody. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I really, for me too, it's, it's about the tax advantages versus like, you know, the wholesale fees and the flipping and stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the one paying the taxes and I'm like, look at how much we're giving away when we're doing yeah. this. You know what? Versus- That's a great point. That whole concept, what you focus on expands. And, and Brandon talks about this to the man or the woman with a hammer. Everything is a nail. When all you're looking at is just like, okay, I need to make money. 
and you're only looking at the gross money you're making because like Elliot said, sometimes we don't even look at our taxes at all. When I finally do stop and look at the numbers, I'm like, why am I even doing this? This is horrible. I'm losing 50% of that to taxes and I'm taking all the risk and all the work. But when you're going, 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 you don't even stop to think about that. You're just thinking in your head, I just made 20 grand. Boom. What's next? Where's my next target to go take down? And then Christy's left to clean up the mess like, well, I hope you're happy. You just risked all of this and gave up, you know, 40 years of $300 a month and then $350 and then $400 and $450 and $500 as it goes up. And all we did was make Uncle Sam some money. Yeah. Yeah. That 20 grand is really more like 10 grand. Yeah. Plus, you probably have to have more employees to cover all that. So yeah. now you're down to like five grand and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Plus, your marketing expenses. <laughs> yeah. And, marketing. Yeah. You're yeah, like, you're, wow. Yeah. So th- then there is sometimes where I'm like, well, we don't make very much on this deal. We should. Yeah, but then you, th- th- you don't want to keep yeah. the, the hardest balance that we're finding right now is because we, tr- we like to use a bunch of our own cash to do deals. We, don't, uh, we have some private lenders, but we don't do We've never done hard money. And we, you know, people are always like leverage, 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 you know, just keep, you know, put as little in the deal as you can, but we don't like that. Yeah. So our biggest problem now is we're putting money into rentals, which then takes out of our flipping bucket. And then, so it's like, so all of a sudden you buy a few too many rentals and then all of a sudden you got to build your flipping bucket back up. And then it's, so it's like, that's the hardest, like, I think where most people fail and I hear people failing all the time is their cash flow management is not, is really where they fail. And I think where if you can get a Chrissy on your team, like it would be your that's that would help you so much to like have manage your cash flow. What do you mean by manage your cash flow? Explain that. So like we have money coming in from our flips all the time. And then we have money going out from marketing. But so then we built this bucket of of capital that then we're like, okay, we have extra capital. So let's go buy a rental. So like we bought one duplex, we just bought it from a guy, but we did a um 30 year conventional 20% down. So we had to put 50 grand down on this duplex. And so that takes out of you, it goes into the property. So it's still there, but it takes out of your flipping bucket because it's coming out of the, you know, that bucket. Then we have another duplex that we just bought that we're, we're going to keep. Um, and then we're refining and we had to put, you know, money down. And then we also had to put rehab money in there. So then there's some more money out of our flipping bucket. And then we bought the 24 unit, which we had to put money in out of our bucket there. So that's a, you know, as a six figure check for that. And so then all of a sudden our flipping bucket is a lot smaller. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, I still need to flip houses to make income, you know? And so kind of like, you know, David, it's like, great, you can get a commission check right now, but I'm actually working today for my money for six months from now. And so you have to manage your money to make sure you have enough to actually make that money six months from now, if you're doing flipping and putting money in flips. Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, just that whole idea of like, you know, flipping houses or wholesaling, but like make it, you have to have a way of making money that you, you can then dump into rental properties. A lot of people want to get into rentals and they want to do it. Maybe like, you know, maybe they don't have any cash whatsoever. So now they're trying to figure out some creative way to do it. But like, no matter what, you have to have some source of money to be able to buy rentals with, even if you're bringing in a partner or you're going to do the birth strategy, it helps to have some money. So flipping houses like you guys are doing to be able to generate profits is a great way to do it, but that only works if you're managing your cash flow correctly and you're setting aside money the right amount and you're you're making sure you have enough to pay for the marketing continually. And that whole that whole thing, which is what you're saying, Christy is really good at, is managing that that budget and that flow of money. So important, very very important. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. 
As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my nine to five job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Are you about to sell a property? Wait like 60 seconds because this could save you thousands. Our friends at 1031 Pros have saved their clients more than half a billion dollars with a B in taxes with 1031 tax deferred exchanges. With the 1031 exchange, you can say goodbye to the huge capital gains taxes when selling and roll your property's profit into another investment that could make you even more. Whether you're an individual investor, part of a larger group, or a title or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help. Trust me, I've done 1031 exchanges on multiple properties before, and it has saved me tens of thousands in taxes, if not more. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and they specialize in all types of exchanges, delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states. And right now, Bigger Pockets listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash BP. That's my1031pros.com slash BP to get $250 off today. Oh, and make sure to mention Bigger Pockets when you call. They take care of our people over there. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker and Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. 
Hey, I want to know about like working together then as a married couple. Because you said you you went from jumping into this game to wanting to get a divorce, like having the papers there, like to get a divorce. But now you guys, I mean, I've hung out with you. You've, you've you've stayed with me at my house here in Maui. So like, I've seen you guys. You guys are you know in love and cute. And so like, you're still. How do you do that? What what are those like guidelines or rules or principles that you guys have found that have worked so well in your business that have that have allowed you to be able to work together and still, you know, come home and like each other? So I would say first off, get your ego in check because once you start having some success in this business, you can just think that you are the hottest thing like since sliced bread. So I think that's that's one thing. It's like you you need to be humble about whatever you're doing. Cause yeah, like so, David so say, said, like you, especially like during a hot market, everybody looks like a genius. Mm-hmm. So it's being humble about things. And I think also trust is a big one as well. You know, you gotta, you've got to trust your other partner to do some things that maybe you don't think are going to be successful that you maybe you think it's a crazy idea, but you've also got to trust that they have, you know, your best interest at heart too, that you guys are, you're working towards the same goals and you have the conversation. And if they still see it as something that is going to be beneficial in the long run, you know, you got to trust them that they're, they are going to make the right choices. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out and it's, it's having that grace as well. And I, I think that's where it comes down to like, almost like marriage counseling, where it's like, you've got to, when you're married, you've got to have that grace for the other person as well. Yeah. You know, on my team, we actually pay a performance psychologist to meet with all of us every week and then individual people as well. And they function like a relationship psychologist for the members on the team. They, They pull out the things they can see where resentment's starting to build. They facilitate difficult conversations between team members. They can help say, hey, you're not pulling your weight. Why is that? As opposed to someone just pointing the finger and then people get defensive. When you get to a certain point of success, that is a really, really crucial, important stage and how you continue to go there. I'm sure Brandon's going to hit that step if he hasn't already with Open Door Capital, where it's very difficult to get in someone else's head and see what they're seeing. And then we all have a filter that we look at the world from that was shaped by the experiences we had in life. So like I'm thinking of a team member I have right now where we'll get someone that comes to us and wants to buy a a million dollar house and they have a $200,000 budget. And I'll say, look, we have to have a difficult conversation where I explain that's not going to happen. Don't fill them up with hope that they're never going to get this. And that team member looks at it and says, this is their dream. We have to find some way to help them accomplish their dream. Like because they went through something in life where no one cared about their dream. So now they're projecting that onto the client. And that's to them, Mm -hmm. that seems like the right business decision to make. To the other 80% of us, we're like, no way. This is a terrible business decision. But if we just tell them that, we look calloused, uncaring, cold, like pure, evil, capitalistic business people. Whereas from my perspective, I'm like, no, don't give me hope if it's not going to happen. Tell me right off the bat and give me another option. So that's one example. I'm sure you guys have thousands of them where it really helps to have someone that can facilitate those difficult conversations. Yeah, I actually, throughout our marriage, Chrissy spoke on the ego and and uh, that was probably our, our my downfall was the ego. You know, I got on these podcasts, I got all this stuff, we were making all this money, I quit my job and I'm like, look at how great I am and all these things. And, and that's really what was our downfall was my ego to a certain extent. And then, so I read this book, Ego is the Enemy uh, by Ryan Holiday, super great book. And that kind so of good. helped a ton. 
But, you know, throughout our, our career, I've always been searching for like, I would go see a counselor. I had counselors. I had all these people that I would talk to to try to figure it out. And the funny thing is I've been doing so great the last like nine months and I hired uh, Brandon's business coach, life coach. And it just like has changed like my perspective and helped me so much. Yeah. Um, Jason Drees. Yeah, Jason. <laughs> and I think then, but he, it's funny because he, he helps you not only on business, but life and marriage and all these things. And it's just a good sounding board. But one of the other things that really helps um, that we've really had to focus on is like um, knowing our lanes. Like, so when we would butt heads all the time, it's because we were trying to make every decision together. And so now then what we had to figure out was what are our lanes? What are our defined lanes? And so then I make decisions for these lanes, which usually tend to be the sales and people side of things. Chrissy makes decisions for these lanes, which are financial, accounting, design, things like that. And then we come together on what we're going to keep. But we don't, I don't tell her what decision to make. She gets to make those on her own. And, and when she makes a decision, it, it, that's the decision. There are certain things we come together. And when I make decisions, she doesn't question me. She doesn't question me when I say, hey, we're buying this house and we're flipping it, or we're buying this house and partnering with this person, or this is where I'm coming with the financing from our private lender or whatever. Then, you know, so we have those converse, those lanes, and it really takes a lot of the friction out of the, out of the partnership because we just trust each other to know that they're making the right decision in the best interest of our family. That's really good. So how do you deal with the fact that like, I mean, like Chrissy, what do you do when Elliot's like, I want to buy this property and you're like, that's a terrible idea. Or on, on the other hand, like, what if like, you know, Chrissy wants to do something like, I think we should do this. And Elliot's like, no, I just, like, how do you deal with when like, you're just opposed to what the other person's doing, but they're, it's their lane. So like, how do you deal with those, those conflicts? Typically. So we've got a lot of great people in our lives that are very wise. And sometimes what I'll just do is be like, Hey, what do you think so-and-so thinks about this? You know, what, have you talked to them about it? What mm, would they, what'd they yeah. say about it? You know, just to get some other opinions in his head as well. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the third party. Cause then it's not like, if it is a bad, I mean, cause if it's a bad idea, then the other party should back you up. And if it's, if you're the one wrong, if it actually is a good idea, then the other party will back them up in either way. Bring that third party. That's really good. Yeah. Right. Usually mine's about ADD stuff. Cause I'm all over the board. I'm like, let's go here. Let's buy developments. Let's do commercial. Let's yep. do apartments. Let's do a uh, call center. Mm -hmm. Let's do all these things. Chris is like, you should talk to somebody about getting focused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I get the exact same thing. Well, I've never been married, but I've heard many married couples say when they go to therapy, it's easier to hear from the other person, the therapist that they're wrong than when their spouse yeah. is telling them that they're wrong. And that's kind of what that a third person can function as is they can portray it in a way that's easier for you yourself when we're in the wrong to, to take in as opposed to you just always say no, you just want to crush my dreams with everything. It's always a no. And then when you hear it from someone else, you go, Oh, that actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah, thank God I didn't do it. And the other part I mentioned when you're saying staying in lanes, is there certain points in business where you have to cross lanes, there's no way around it. And I was thinking when you said that, just like when you're driving on the freeway, it's really important that you signal I'm about to change lanes, that you look around to make sure I'm not running into anybody else who's already in this lane, that you give everybody else time to make space for you to get in there, and then you go. You don't just change lanes in the middle of everything that's going on and cause a crash. And I was realizing like, okay, I need to start doing that when I need to go into someone else's lane on the team, that I don't just jump in there like I like to do and do it really quickly. I let them know we're going to have a conversation. It's gonna, here's my blinker, right? Let me know when a good time is to come over. I let them make allowances for me. That was a really insightful piece I thought you shared. 
Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Christy always yells at me for not using my blinker when I'm, when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm not very good at that process. <laughs> yeah, you're right though. It's all about communication. <laughs> I, so key. All right. So we got check your ego. We got, you said, know your lanes. What all the tips do you have for people working with their spouses? We always tell each other, like, if we're arguing about stuff, even if it's about the baby or our business or we're getting to it, we just look at each other and we say, we're on the same team. We're after the same goals. We're on the same team. So if you look at pro sports, pro basketball, those guys still have turnovers all the time. They still make mistakes all the time, but they're still at the end of the day, they're still on the same team. And so how do we build each other up and not, and not tear each other's ideas down and know that we're after the same goals. It's just, we just have a little bit different ways of how we think we get there, but if we can blend them together and you know, one guy's a seven footer and one guy's a good shooting guard, you need both of them. You can't have both seven footers on the you know team and still win a basketball game. Yeah, that's a good point. Really good. Elliot, you mentioned a minute ago that you were starting like a service-based business. I wonder what, what is that? Is that the reason why is it gives you something to unplug and go and try to build something new? And what is that? So I had this uh, buddy of mine, uh, Kuru Johnson out of yeah, Seattle. Cool. Yeah, he's awesome. He's, so we had, uh, he had a, like a small cold call center just for some buddies of his. Um, and I started using it and I'm like, hey, I think you could do this, this, and this. He's like, hey, why don't you partner with me? Because he's like Chrissy, um, really good at building systems and backend stuff. And he's like, why don't you go sell it? And so then we ended up uh, working on that. And so then we partnered with uh, another buddy, Tucker Merrihue, last week. But it's just going to be a cold call center. And so we're going to be, you know, providing leads to people, you know, you pay by the, the, by the month or whatever. So we're trying to build this service-based business for real estate investors. And so that's something cool. Cause I think, you know, we we're talking earlier in the show about cash flow, And so rentals, you know, take a while to get there. You could build your cash flow, but I think we can build this as a cash flow business. And for like the last year, I've been talking, you know, with Jason about I need a cash flow business, something that doesn't really require a ton of me, but should generate revenue every month. And so I was looking at doing a painting company, a roofing company. I mean, we we had all this going, all landscaping company. Because it's like, no, those are all gonna like take so much of your time. And so then all of a sudden, this kind of like materialized because I was looking for something like it. And so we're starting to do that. So, you know, if it works, I, I mean, the service is great. It works for my campaign. It works for, you know, every, everybody that's using it, but it's still fun to do something different because like, mm-hmm. I'm the guy that gets bored, like with flipping houses or doing the same thing. I want something new and exciting that, that challenges me. And so, um, and Chrissy's kind of said, that's a great business. You do it. And yep. so like, it's kind of my deal, not Chrissy's deal but it's still for our benefit. Right. And so, so yeah, we're pretty excited. I think we're, we're calling it call magic. And so it's going to be called magicleads.com. I think it's going to be cool. Um, I think it's going to be really good. Everybody that's using it likes it. So I, I don't, I don't know. So the idea is you just give me the, give me the synopsis. Like so people call, like they answer the phone and send it to yeah. the investor. So basically work? somebody comes to us says, Hey, I want to use your service. So they, they'll give us a list of people they want in their area. We'll help them build lists in their area. Um, then they skip trace those lists and then our outbound callers will actually sit there and make calls all day. That's cool. Cold calling. And then when they get a lead that somebody says they're interested, we'll run them through some quick questions. There's like five questions. Do you have a, is this your house? Is it a rental or uh, owner occupied? Does it need work? And what kind of price do you want? And then if it's kind of a, you know, a lead, they'll push it over to the, the people that are paying us and then they would follow up with those leads. So um, the cool. nice thing is it is like it works really well for people to have a good sales teams um, in place and and newer as well. We're going to have some options to help newer people, but it really just provides a good constant source of leads. 
And yeah. so, and at a lower cost marketing dollar, but just like anything else, just like direct mail or anything else you do in this business, it takes time to build your pipeline and work those leads and, and, you know, work that, you know, work that system. That's cool, man. Well, one thing uh, uh, that I'm a huge fan of you, Elliot, and I'm probably Chrissy's actually a big back backing of this, but you, you guys are just fantastic at like, like knowing like the funnel that comes in, like, like getting leads, like how do you get leads coming in? How do you run the numbers? How do you make the offer and negotiate and get it to closing and tracking those numbers and make it all work? Uh, I actually, I don't even remember this, Elliot, but a couple years ago, hey, a year ago, year and a half ago. Anyway, I interviewed you in my sea shed, remember my office out yeah, here yeah. about this thing. And so we actually put it together as one of like the bonuses when you become a pro member uh, on, on a webinar that I give that I do every week. Uh, you get this like how to find great deals masterclass. Anyway, yours is on there. It's like an hour of you and I just going through everything you do in your business. So just FYI, if you're currently a Bigger Pockets pro member or if you become a pro member, that is something that you can get. If you go up to like the little perks in the corner of your, uh, I think it's like, I think it's like member perks. If you're on Bigger Pockets, you can find that there. Uh, really good stuff. If you can't find it, I'll put a link, more information on the show notes for this show on how to get that. Uh, biggerpockets.com slash show 394. But yeah, very cool. I, I love the idea that you're thinking like, like, how do I bring a more cash flow, regular cash flow? And this is something that David and I talk a lot about is that it's not like real estate is amazing. We love real estate. If, but you also have to have a source of making income. You have to have money coming in consistently. He said cash flow. Uh, and so if there's, whether you become a real estate agent, whether you get a raise at your work, whether you can build a side business that's in real estate or related, or maybe it's something totally different. It's really good to have that a good source of revenue coming in. Uh, so just something for people to consider as well in their life is how can they build something like that or be a part of something that generates some good income that's not reliant upon the hours that you put in. Or like your book, right? Like that's, or like you, know, book, you, yeah. write, you write your books and then it's, uh, uh, it's paying mm -hmm. off down the road. You know, you get your high spikes, but then it slowly produces revenue every, you know, every yeah. month. And so it's just the little things like that where now you can go out and do flips and take a little bit of risks because you know, you have this income, yeah. you know, it's the same of like having a bunch of rentals, you know, you can take a couple more risks because man, if I, if for some reason that I lose this, then I can come back. I have the cash flow that I can build that back up really quickly or whatever. So it's just as another level of security to the, um, to the business. And that's really what you're looking for is just multiple streams to add security. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really, really important stuff. Uh, now the downside of that, of course, is that people tend to, you know, we talk a lot about building bridges, right? You, you live on reality Island. You want to get to millionaire Island. Yeah. You got to build a bridge. So people start building 10 bridges, right? Yeah. So like, well, I really want to build this Amazon business and this call center and this whatever, cause they want the, you know, whatever they want passive income and they also want to buy real estate. They want to burr, they want to flip. And so there's this, there's this fine line. And I'm curious if and then we'll move on to deal deep dive, but I'm curious, where do you guys, and I'll start with you, Christy, how do you, how do you balance? And I'll, I'll go through all three of you though. How do you balance between generating more revenue with new ideas, but also just being consistent with the thing that actually matters long-term? So I would say that you definitely don't want to be jumping from thing to thing before you have a solid base. Mm -hmm. So for us, like you were saying, we've got our systems basically down for generating leads. And then we can decide to do what we want with those leads for sure. But finish a bridge before you start your next bridge. And then you can start looking, you know, find a way that you're not putting too much time. You're not spending all of your time on that first bridge. And then you can go on to the next bridge. And you can, you know, really think about is this bridge this next bridge, is it going to be time consuming? You know, mm -hmm. is it where you're just creating a job for yourself or are you actually creating a business? Yeah. And, and is it a bridge that you can link to one you already have? 
Is it just yeah. an off-ramp or an on-ramp you're creating onto a bridge you've got, or is this a completely new project unrelated to your current bridge? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say that um, I, I think it's very, like, Brandon, you always talk about being very focused on one thing, and so you don't like to commit. And I think it's, it's the same that you, you don't just say yes to everything. You find something that you truly believe in, and if you truly believe in it, you're going to see it through. That's such a good point. Elliot, you want anything on that? Yeah, so I'm the master at building and starting bridges and not finishing them. I think, <laughs> I remember we were talking at like 11 o'clock at night on your uh, porch about this stuff. Yep. And, uh, but again, it comes back to, I have a Chrissy, so I can talk to her about these things and she can be like, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think mm-hmm. this is a good idea. And then I'm like, hey, what do you think of the call seller? And she's like, that's a great idea. She was like super pumped for it because I think we have all the systems in place to do it and I have a, the right team to put it together and do it and it doesn't require more time from her. But like, I, uh, I am very ADD and I go all over the board. And so I really lean on Chrissy to say, Elliot, slow down, think about what you're doing. Let's not maybe do that because there'll be so many times where I'd be like, let's do SEO. Let's do pay-per-click. Let's do Facebook ads. Let's do all these things. And she's like, Elliot, look at what, how much money you're spending. Like we have to come back and go to our focus. Yeah, that's really good. David, what about you? Man, I think that when it comes to this, part of it is you have to recognize and respect that certain brains are designed like Elliot's to do a million different things at once. You can't just shame yourself and say, bad, 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 Mm -hmm. you shouldn't do this. Because as Elliot was talking, I was like thinking, I wonder if you looked at Leonardo da Vinci's scrapbook, how many amazing ideas he was writing down before he picked the one he was actually going to try to push all the way to completion. It's a part of what makes Elliot successful is that his mind and Brandon, you're like this too. They fire off with a ton of different ideas. And then another part is your environment. When you're in an environment like Brandon or in or I'm in, the amount of opportunity you have increases exponentially. And there's a lot more to look at. And there's a lot more that naturally, like that shiny object syndrome, there's a lot of shiny objects. You can go do a lot. Whereas when I was just a cop buying real estate, there wasn't a whole lot to look at. It was just see what's right in front of me and go get it. So you got to respect that too. And I think that it's a balance between knowing I'm always going to be looking for opportunity and getting that filter in your life to help understand you and know what we're going to allow to pass through and when we're going to allow it to pass through. So I know there's a a, a part of myself that I've understood is I like to teach. It's why I'm here on the podcast. It's why I work with real estate clients is they come to me and I teach them. This is what we're doing when we're buying a house and people like that. That's who I draw. So I'm always going to learn a new thing and then write a book about how to do it. That's just a part of my life. It's always going to be that way. Every time I learn how to build a new bridge, I'm going to write a book that says, this is how I, I built it. But when I write that book is really important. It's not just do it or don't do it. It's don't do it when I'm building the bridge. Do it after the bridge has been built and I don't have other opportunities. So I think knowing there's a season for everything, there's a time for everything, be patient. You know, one of the mistakes I make on my team is that I want to go get 25 buyers to help them buy a house. And I've got two agents to help me do it. (laughs) I've loaded myself up and I don't have any way to actually service those kind of people. So like understanding, I want to build this bridge. I've got the plans. Well, I have to order the concrete. It doesn't do me any good to get all these people together to start building. We have no concrete to use. And that's what makes this tough. But that's also why Brandon and I are always talking about real estate investing is business. It's business skills that you have to develop to do it. Elliot and Chrissy have developed a way of splitting apart the business where they each have a lane to operate in. And that's why they're successful. Let's move this over to the next segment of the show and take it back to real estate specifically. It's time for our deal Deal deep deep dives. 
All right, the deal deep dive is part of the show where we dive down deep into one particular property or investment you guys have made recently and uh, or at any point in your career and to get some dirty details on it. You guys ready? You have something in mind together? Have you guys pre-talked about this or? Yeah. Okay. All right, good. Number question number one. What kind of property are we, uh, are we talking about today? Uh, this was a single family fix and flip. Very standard, standard fix and flip. Okay. How did you find it? Yeah, so it's actually in a town about 40 minutes south of us. And so Christy and I are like, let's expand to this town. I think there's some opportunity there. So we went and we went driving for dollars one day. We got a babysitter and went driving for dollars. Driving so we could figure out the town. And that's the one key is people are like, I don't want to drive for dollars, but it actually helps you learn the town. Like some sides were bad, some sides were good. So anyway, so we're driving this area. And so we go and we get about 900 or so leads. And then we sent out a direct mail campaign to that. And then we filtered through some calls and then this one came off the direct mail campaign. All right. Very cool. Uh, and number three, how much was it, Elliot? Yeah. So we paid 61,000 for it, which is actually was pretty, pretty cheap. So we paid 61,000 for it. And it was just like a three, two little ranch that was like 1100 square feet. All right. And how did you negotiate that price? met with them. And it's funny because I was at the gym and they're like, Hey, can you meet now? So I had to drive down there and I show up and the lady's like, man, I was expecting you to be like in a suit or tie or something. And I'm like in my gym clothes. I'm like, I'm just a normal guy, just like you. Like, you know, I'm just here solving problems. And so we talked to them. I, I went down there and talked to them, figured out kind of what they're looking to get. They were like four years behind on their back on their taxes. He had inherited the property and they just needed to get some money out of there. And so I do what I kind of normally do. I'm like, okay, what do you think this property is worth fixed up? And so they agreed. We all, you know, agreed the time that it was like 145 is what it, what it was worth. And that's what I truly thought it was probably worth. And I'm like, okay, well, how much work do you guys think it needs? And so we, then we subtract the, the work and I'm like, okay, we need to make about 30 grand. Cause that's, you know, for our time, we don't make, that's not all our money. That's the government's money and all that stuff and our marketing. And I'm like, what do you, do you say, think that's fair? And they're like, yeah, that's fair. And so then we get back down to the number and came to like 57,000. And so I'm like, okay, well I'll offer 57,000. You know, I just do the math with them right there at the table. And so they thought about it, thought about it. And we ended up agreeing at like, like 61 is what we ended up agreeing. And so then gave them time to move out, had it in escrow, let them move out. And then, yeah. And then, then we got, do you, do you typically do that is actually just do the math with them? Like right at the table, like is that kind of your, yeah. a lot of times if they're reasonable people, like I'm just like, Hey, I'm just going to break the numbers down with you of like how this, what this costs us from the very, from the very beginning. Because if they say their property, think there's properties like worth 300 fixed up and I'm trying to offer them hundred a, they'd be like, there's 120 grand. You're going to make 120 grand. And that's like all these flipping, you know, shows that always show they made this much money, but they yeah. actually, and then you see the net math and it's like, no, they didn't make that much money because they didn't include this, this, and this. So I just sit there and say, okay, it's going to cost us 8% to sell it because we have excise tax in Washington. So we're down to X numbers. Then it's going to cost us $50,000 to fix it. Mr. Seller, would you agree that that's a fair number? The um, And they would say, yeah, I agree. That's a fair number. And I'm like, and then we got to make some money. And would you agree that it's okay for us to make money? And they're like, yeah, I, I agree. And so then you get back to the number and here's your, here's your number. Does this, does this work for you, Mr. Seller? So, yeah, yeah. that's phenomenal. I really, really liked it a lot. All right. Next one. How did you fund that deal? So we used all our own cash. So it, I mean, it wasn't a, that was a super low purchase price for us. So we used all our own cash. We only, we put about 30, 30 K rehab into it. And so we were all in it like 90, 91,000, somewhere in there. All right. 
All right. And you mentioned this was a flip. So what was the outcome on the the outcome on the deal was fantastic. So I have a good contracting crew. We have some in our both towns. But I said, hey, if you... It was a little bit of a drive every day. So I said, hey, I'll cut you in a little bit of the profit if you guys can stay under budget and on timeline. And so we came in like perfect on everything. And then I showed the agent down there and she's like, she went and walked it. She's like, man, the market's gone up. Like, I think you can get like 180 for this property. So we ended up listing it like right during Christmas time. And it ended up selling it for 185. And wow. so like it ended up being a really good deal. If you look at the ROI on that deal, the deal was really good. And that's not like always how our deals go, but it just, it, I think the reason I picked this deal for our deal deep dive is one, Christy didn't have to do anything because we had systems in place already. We always do the same thing in all our houses. It's always the same for Micah. It's the same cabinets. It's the same carpet. It's the same flooring. It's the same everything. So our contractors already knew what to put in here. So they just got to go down there. I negotiated off our driving for dollars and off our mail. And then our contractor, I only had to go see the property like three times after we bought it. And so like, and I probably didn't even need to do that because our contractors just take care of it. It's always the same every time. You know, that is so under talked about uh, in, in real estate spaces, but like, I want to just bring that up. When you watch the flipping shows, it would be really boring if they did those shows the way that most flippers actually flip houses, which is the mm-hmm. same stuff. Like we talked about this last week, I think on the show, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, about how real estate is actually pretty boring. Like it's pretty yeah. simple for most people. We tend to complicate it. And that's usually when I get myself into trouble is when I complicate it. But when you can systematize, now you know your cost. You know what it takes to put down this type of floor and you know where you can get it. You get bigger discounts on it because you buy a lot of it. That that's how almost every successful, really successful flipper I know does it. They don't do it like they do on TV, which is walk through every time with a brand new clipboard and be like, oh my gosh, this would be so cute with this special tile on the backsplash. Oh yeah, like let's look at this tile and this tile. No, yeah. so we yeah. stay in entry level houses. It's the same for Micah. I mean, literally yeah. it's the same. I had a, We had to talk to our partner this year and be like, hey, we've been using this color of the house for like mm-hmm. four years. It might... It might be time to change. Should we update that? You know what I mean? Maybe we update it just a touch, but like, no, it just works. And then, then your crew's on board. They know what's going mm-hmm. on. They don't have to call you. They did, And it takes a lot of, like we were talking earlier about, I've been making decisions all day. If you have everybody on the same page and it's always the same, that's one to sit more decisions I don't have to make every day. Mm-hmm. Now all I have to do is make, hey, there's a plumbing issue or there's an electrical issue or there's this issue, but they don't have to ask me, what do we put in here? What kind of lights? We always do the same two-pack lights. We always do the same flooring. We actually buy flooring in bulk. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's one thing I learned from, uh, from Tarl Yarber and, uh, you know, Nate Robbins has got Nate, they, they, they walk me through, like they have like this design packet, like this, like, you know, yep. it has the, the yes. actual, like, yep. right. The codes from Home Depot and Lowe's yep. for every product that they buy. And like, they just know this is the color. This is the one. And like, they walk me through that one time and I was just blown away. Cause I'd never done that. I was like, why have I not done that? Every yeah, time I do a flip, I go, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're really time- good friends with Tarl and Grace. And yeah. Nate as well. And so um, we were just at their house last week doing his ropes course. Yeah, but yeah. I thought you were up on a rope thing with them. Yeah, yeah he's got yeah. that crazy so backyard. He's an amazing investor. He's really good at building systems. Serena's done a good job about building those books. Ours are probably even more simplified than that because they're still doing granite and moving some walls here and there and doing big rehabs. But that's one of his greatest uh, things that he's done is building those systems. Yeah, systematizing your business. Like because with systems requires less decisions that have to mm-hmm. be made. And if you yep. can get less of the RAM in your brain being used yep. for making decisions, you can use it for more dollar productive things. Yep. Right. Go build other bridges. Yep. Yes. Yeah. There you go. All right, last question. What lessons did you, did you learn or can you pull out from this deal that apply to our audience? 
I think the lessons in this deal were that if you build the processes, this was probably one of the deals that went the smoothest that we've done. And it, and it really showed that the four years that it took building these systems and processes really paid off. And you can do you can do this business really easily if you build those systems. But if you don't start there and don't mm-hmm. take the time to build those systems and build all the work Chrissy's put in to do those design packets, to do those material lists and all that stuff, then it's going to be hard every time you flip a house and you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle. But this one just showed that once you build those, it's, it's just it's smooth. It works. The system, if you trust the process, it works. You know, even right now, we're not buying as many deals, but I know that if I trust the process, I go up and I go, we go down on how many deals. I, I think you remember when we were at your house in Maui, I had Ryan running back and forth because I bought like four houses that week we were at your house. Yep. Because it's just, once you get the momentum, it just it starts working. And Ryan yep. probably wanted to shoot me because I said, hey, can you print this out? Can you print yep. this out? <laughs> but we were just buying. So just, just trusting the process that you built over time. Oh my gosh, that is so... So good. We could do a whole show just on that one topic of like trusting the process. Like you, if you have the right process and continue, I mean, a couple months ago, like three months ago, we had no deals under contract with Open Door Capital, you know, my mobile home park business. Like we were like getting a little stressed out. Like, is the market just changed completely? Is this going to be impossible? Like what's going on? Like, and I just kept saying like to Ryan, I'd be like, we just have to trust the process. We are getting leads. We are making offers. We're just getting rejected. Let's just make more offers. Just keep trying. And today we have five properties under contract, like over a thousand units. Cause like we just kept with the process. If we would have stopped and been like, no, let's go try something else fancy. We wouldn't have had that because we're always learning new things, but we just stick with the process. The same thing works if you're trying to buy your first property, your 10th property, trying to flip houses, whatever. What's that process look like? How are you getting leads? Are you making offers? You know, like what's that look like? stick with it. Say, I mean, this is true for every business in the world. Like totally. And like, if I'm brand new, what I'm, what I'm telling people, I always tell brand new people is, okay, go print out a Google map of area around you and then go drive every street in that certain area. Try to get 500 or a thousand houses that look, you know, bad. Either they have radio antennas up on there, older cars, they have moss on the roof or tarp on the roof or overgrown grass. Go get a thousand of those. And then you can go, you can either do it yourself and hire a VA or you can use it like driving for dollars app and it'll automatically give you their addresses. And then you can send letters out to those people and then just consistently send letters for six months to those people and just answer the phones. And it's just very simple. If you just break it down, you will find a deal out of those thousand, but you have to stick with it. You have to do the process. You have to, you know, trust the process every month. You ever since you said that to me, you said this to me one time when we were, I think we were interviewing for that bigger pockets pro thing. And that's what, like my go-to advice. Now, every time it says it said they can't find a deal or they ask me if I can mentor them, I'm like, get out a Google map, go drive every single solitary street, write down a list, come back with 500 names on that list, start mailing them for six months. After that, if you still don't have a deal, let's have a conversation. Exactly. Prove that you did that first. Yeah, exactly. And of course, nobody does. No, yeah, that's the problem. I talk to people all the time and anybody listening, like thinking, man, man, these guys, they, they've made it or they had it so easy. Like we've had it tough. We've had a tough road to get here, but like we've stuck with each other and stuck with the process. Anybody can do this. When I went to college, a community college, I tested into like math 91, all high school classes because I barely graduated high school with like a 2.2. I mean, Christy's the smart one. So it's like, anybody can do this. And so you just have to find the person that you need to help you or you learn the skills you need, but just stick to it. You're going to find deals. You're going to be successful, but like you just have to get started and go and stick with it. It's like chopping down a tree and you start chopping on it. And after four or five swings, you're like, this, this is stupid. It doesn't work. The tree didn't go down. 
All you yeah. did was give yourself blisters and waste your time, and you got half of a tree chopped down, which is worth exactly zero dollars to do. And then you go try to chop down another tree, and another yep. tree, and another tree. You just got a bunch yeah. of dents in trees. Unless yep. you're Brandon and you're so strong, you just one swing with the masculine axe. Masculine Well, there's down. an argument for that, right? When you get good enough at doing something, maybe you <laughs> can go in there and chop it down with one or two swings. Mm. Or you have a chainsaw. Like you start mm. learning, and then also all of a sudden you're trying to chop this tree, tree down with a you know an axe, and then all of a sudden you get a chainsaw. And that's like you, a system. Yep. You build a system and then it, it goes way faster. Yeah. And exactly. then you give somebody else the chainsaw and they go cut it down and you get to sit in Maui and yeah. hang out with Elliot. <laughs> yeah. And then you own a lumberjack company. That's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Buying your first house to building a big business. That's what it's like. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. But I think you have to start chopping down that tree. I mean, too many people try to like go try yeah. to find that chainsaw. And they can't find it. And they're like, well, how come David Green's chopping down trees in like three seconds? So how come Elliot's yeah. buying all this stuff? But they, they want to go like, raise money from all their venture capitalist friends and just go start yeah. a business without understanding without anything about forestry or chopping trees. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to put the blisters in. They don't see the blisters yep. and the actual effort. They, or they want to go pay somebody to go get them to have a, that, builds yep. the business for them and they don't actually learn anything. It's like, you don't need to pay anybody to start this. Just go yeah. start it, go find some properties and start making offers. Yep. So good, man. We can write a book just on this analogy, <laughs> like an entire book just on, uh, on chopping down trees. All right, but we got to move on and head to the last segment of our show. But before we do, I do have one more question. What do you guys need in your business right now that our audience could help you with that? They could bring value to you. Anything you guys need or are looking for in your, in your world? Hmm. We're looking to expand into multifamily, more multifamily stuff. So, you know, we'll look at multifamily deals in Washington. Really just maybe supporting us with the call center, I think would be a great thing. You know, if you're out there trying to find deals and trying to support us with that, I think that would be really helpful and giving us feedback on how well that's working and, and just trying to build that. But yeah, just we're good. I mean, at the end of the day, Christy and I got, we're very blessed, very blessed to have just, just a, such an amazing life and such amazing friends and mentors around us. So we're, but we're always looking to meet new people. Cool, man. All right. Well, with that, let's get over to the last segment of the show. It is time for our famous four. Time for the famous four. The same four questions we ask every guest every single week. But before we get there, here's something you should be listening to right after this show is over. Hey guys, it's Felipe from the Real Estate Rookie Show. Last week, we had Sarah on the show and she talks about how she's having to rehab a property, build out the basement, being a single mother and what products she used to get through all of this mayhem that's going on. Make sure that you go back and listen to Sarah's story. It's a great one. All right, make sure you go listen to the episode and now it is time for the Famous Four. Chrissy, Elliot, you guys ready? I know you know you know it's coming. Number yeah. one. Current favorite real estate book. Let's start with Chrissy. Do you have a favorite real estate book in your life? So I don't know if this is really considered a real estate book, but I really, really like it. It's It does tie into realtor life. So The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. It's not I a new book, but book. I, I really like that one. That one's yeah. one that I go back to a lot. Yeah, I've read that probably 10 times. And every time it's just as good as it was the first. So good. Elliot, what do you think? I would say similar line as Chrissy, Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. Mm. I listened to that book like 10 times that I like, I've talked to him a little bit, man, that book was freaking good. Like if you're looking how to like frame things and get people and be in sales, like that was probably one of the best. And actually, if you listen to audio, it's so fun to listen to him because he tells stories. I love books that tell stories that are teaching a lesson. Like I don't like just facts, like do this and do this. So it was really enjoyable to listen to. 
Yeah. Amazing book. book. One of my all time favorites. I never read it because the title rubbed me the wrong way. Pitching something just feels gross, (laughs) but it's such good content in that book. We, I talk about that with my team literally every day. And I was just listening to an interview with Oren Clough talking about how he uses the strategies in that book to get his ideas from his head into somebody else's head. Yeah. So good. Really good. Okay. I'm probably going to screw you guys up, but I'm going to ask you about your favorite business books. I really like the Good to Great and Built to Last series. I think that is just a very good, uh, that guy tells a really good story as well on Audible and talking about how to build lasting businesses. And I think those are some really good business books. And I'm going to go with The E-Myth. Yeah. Yeah. We had Michael Gerber on the show before. I should say we is before I was on it. BP had him on there and uh, yeah. he was a very interesting guy, but that's a very yeah, popular book. A lot of people like the email. Um, and I'm sure a lot of what we talked about today is covered in that book. Okay. Yeah, so when you guys are so. not, not setting the, setting the bar for how couples should operate in a real estate business, tell us what are some of your hobbies? I love to hike. I love to get out and just go explore. And when we don't have a pandemic, I uh, love to travel. Yeah. I love golfing. I'm really enjoying Monty right now. He's 19 months and I'm just, he's at that stage where he's just so much fun. I take him golfing with me in the evenings and he's just dad, dad, this, you know, dad, 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 he's all over. He's running around. He's to learn how to run. So he's running and he's got his arms up and he's screaming and yeah. And he's just so, or like, he's starting to like kind of push back a little bit now too. Like yesterday we were telling him like, Hey, he pulls some clothes out of a hamper. And we're like, pick him up, pick him up. And he's not listening. We're like, Monty. And then all of a sudden he looks at me and starts dancing, like, woohoo, dancing, like with this huge grin. And I just, we can't help but laugh. Like he's just yeah, so, he's, so my he's son. Using, he's using frame control techniques for pitch anything on you <laughs> to take the power in that relationship away. Uh-huh. That's yeah. right. I actually told Elliot, I'm like, you deal with it. This is your side of the personality. Take care of it. Yeah. Or, or he's just, he, you know, he goes to everybody's like, we'll be in the, in the store and be like, hi. Hi. And then they look at him and he's shy. But as they're walking away, he's like, bye, bye. (laughs) So I really, I'm really enjoying him. And then just enjoying um, Christy right now. We've been in such a good space and there's always going to be bumps and ups and downs. And and we know that, but it's just, life's been really good to us right now, even through the pandemic. That's cool, man. Have you guys read the book, How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen? There's another one called How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, but Little Kids Will Listen. It is a the most phenomenal like parenting book I've ever read for people with young kids. Like, yeah. They learn massive right words, right? Yeah. Right down. It's so good. Like that book literally, like, I actually told my wife this, I'm going to take a thing of note cards, like, you know, little three out of five note cards, like a stack of like 200. I'm going to go through the whole book and just write that. Cause it's just like tip after tip, after tip, after tip, after tip of how to get your kids to do things. And there's just probably like a thousand tips in that book. I just want to have a note card and then every day just flip through a few of them. Like, Oh yeah, I forgot about this one. I'm gonna try that today. So it's uh. I feel like it just changed the game with how we raise in Rosie. I think you guys like it. All right. Last, yeah. Last question from me. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from all those who give up, fail, or just never get started? Either of you can answer or both. Um, I want to, I want to put it in one thing, but it's kind of, I feel like it's a combo of persistence, but mindset. So I I just feel like you're going to hit so many different roadblocks and being, you know, an entrepreneur, being self-employed, you're the one that has to figure them out. So you either reach out to somebody and, you know, network, or you dive into Google, bigger pockets, whatever. You have to be the one to figure it out. You can't just 
let it go at the wayside. And I think a lot of people, they hit roadblocks and they just stop. And if you never stop, if you keep on continuing to figure it out, that's, that's how you become successful. That's awesome. I don't think I could say any better than that. YouTube and podcasts and bigger podcasts are powerful tools. If people, you know, people always talk about wanting to go to college to learn, you can learn anything you want on the internet. You can learn to be anybody you want, build anything you want on the internet. If you just really care and want it that bad, you can find out anything. Awesome. That's true. That's All good. right. You guys, it's been awesome. Amazing. I love hanging out with you guys. We're actually going to hang out next week in person, which is kind of cool. We'll have to wear masks and stay six feet apart, <laughs> but we'll have a good time on that boat. Okay. But yeah, we'll have a good time. David, do you want to take us out and ask the last question? Well, yeah, last question. For people who want to know more, where can they find out more about you? Um, we're both on Facebook and Instagram, um, Elliot Smith and Chris uh, Chrissy Smith. I think hers is Chris C.L. Smith um, on Instagram. That's about it. Yeah, you can email me at chrissysmith at windermere.com. All right. All right, cool. And Brandon, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Well, I was hoping Elliot was on TikTok. I was looking forward no, to No, I refuse to download that. And yeah, you should. I'll tell you why oh, after the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. It is a it is a time wasting just suck of my life that I delete ever so often, then I'll reinstall it, then I'll delete it again like a day later. Like, why did I do that? That's just like yeah. It's funny, J- uh, Jason Drees, our coach, he's like, Elliot, do that detox thing where you don't actually like look at anything, like anything for like a week. I made it four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure most people can relate to that. All right, guys. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, guys. Me. Great job tonight. It was great getting to meet you. This is David Green for Brandon. Keep on chopping. Lumberjack Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.